1 Samuel chapter 15, page 335, if you have an old Schofield Bible. I'd like to read this morning just a couple of verses here. And when I read these verses, I know you're probably going to sit there and say, what in the world does that have to do with us? But if you'll bear with me for just a moment, I want to kind of just set the table, and then we're going to look at something together. 1 Samuel chapter 15, look at verse number 16. The Bible said, Then Samuel, now you've got to understand, Samuel is the prophet of God. I'd like to say it like this, he's the president. You know, he's the Billy Graham before there was a Billy Graham. You know, Billy Graham has called, been called by many the, pre, uh, the pastor of the presidents. Well, before there was a Billy Graham, there was a Samuel, and he was the pastor or the prophet to the first two or three kings of the nation of Israel. And the Bible said here, verse 16, Samuel, the prophet, has said unto Saul, who's the king, Stay, and I will tell thee what the Lord hath said to me this night. Uh, this night. And Saul is talking back to Samuel. He said, Okay, say on. And Samuel said, When thou wast little... In thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribe of Israel, tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel. Now at this particular time and in this text, we find that the king of the nation of Israel, their first king, is in real trouble. He's disobeyed the Lord. Samuel the prophet has given him the word of God regarding the will of God. And now he's disobeyed both the Word of God and the will of God. And as we would say in today's terminology, God is now calling him in on the carpet. You see, Saul has been sent by God to destroy an ancient people called the Amalekites. The Amalekites. These Amalekites were the long-time, long-term enemies of the nation of Israel. In fact, if you think back to the history of the Old Testament, you may remember that when Israel come out of the land of Egypt after 400 years of bondage when they came out, the first war that they got involved in was with these Amalekites. The Bible said they come to a place by the name of Rephidim, and Moses and the armies of Israel have gone out now. To, they've been attacked, and they've gone out to fight with Amalek. And then you may remember that God told Moses and Aaron and her to go up on top of the mountain. And while they're on top of the mountain, Joshua has led the armies of Israel out to fight with the Amalekites in the valley down below. And as the battle begins, we're told that Moses has his arms up in the air. And as long as Moses has his arms up in the air, the children of Israel prevail. They're victorious in the battle. But you can just imagine as this battle went on for hours, uh, Moses' arms got real heavy. And every time they begin to sink down, Amalek would then get the victory over the nation of Israel. So Aaron and Hur got some big old rocks and rolled it up there, and they stayed up the arms of Moses, and God gave a great victory to the nation of Israel over these Amalekites. But when the battle was over and the dust had settled and the smoke had cleared, here's what God said to the nation of Israel. The Bible said in Exodus 17 and verse number 16, God said that you're going to have war with Amalek from generation to generation. God said, I just want to tell you Israelites that from here on out, I mean one generation to the next generation, you're going to have problems with Amalek. Now Amalek in the Bible, in case you're wondering, is a type 
of the flesh. It is a type, a picture of the old nature. And let me just tell you something, friend. We're going to have a battle with our old nature from here all the way to the city limit sign of the New Jerusalem. It's going to battle us every step of the way. We read this in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter number 25 about Amalek. The Bible said, God said through Moses, Remember what Amalek did unto thee, by the way, when thou came forth, uh, when you were come forth out of, out of Egypt? How he, how he met thee, by the way, and smote behind most of thee. In other words, he attacked from the rear. When the children of Israel least expected it, here come Amalek warring against them. And the Bible said he attacked those that were faint behind thee when thou was faint and weary. And he feared not God. Isn't that just like the flesh? The flesh will come up when you least expect it. I mean, you may be having a pretty good day, you know, walking with God. And, and before you know it, from behind, the flesh will come up and attack you in a weak point. And if you're not careful, that flesh will destroy your fellowship with with God. And God is just reminding the nation of Israel, you're going to have war with Amalek, just as he says to his church today, you're going to have problems with the flesh from one generation to the next generation. Well, what has happened in our text in 1 Samuel 15 is that God has commanded King Saul to go out and to destroy Amalek. Look at verse number 3 of chapter 15. Now go out and smite Amalek and, and utterly destroy all that they have. And spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and... In other words, God said to King Saul, listen, go out and destroy, destroy Amalek. Well, guess what? King Saul goes out all right. King Saul fights with Amalek all right. But he disobeys God. He saved the king alive. He saved some of the people alive. And he saved some of the animals alive. And ends up literally disobeying the Lord. And when he disobeys God, doesn't follow God's command, Samuel comes to him and says, Okay, God has a word for you. And the word is, God is now done with you, King Saul. And by the way, the truth that we find from this text is simply this. God wants us to deal drastically with our flesh. Can I tell you something about your, your flesh and my flesh? If we don't deal drastically with our flesh, our flesh is going to rise up and deal drastically with us. I've been preaching for weeks now in Galatians chapter 5 in, in our Sunday evening services and one of those lists in that chapter is the works of the flesh. And remember all those terrible things that follow in that list as a work of the flesh? Ladies and gentlemen, I don't want my life to wind up in a mess like that and you don't want your life to wind up in a mess like that. And if we're not going to be in that kind of a mess, we're going to have to deal drastically with our flesh. Drastically with our flesh. Well, guess what? Saul didn't. And guess what in the Bible? It was one of the Amalekites that Saul saved alive that eventually destroyed his life. You remember up on top of Mount Geboa when they were fighting with the Philistines and boy, the battle went against old King Saul and the nation of Israel and, tr and Saul tried to commit suicide and he fell on his sword, but it didn't kill him. And then the Bible said about that time, an Amalekite came along and killed King Saul. One of the, uh, one of the very people that he didn't kill rose up and destroyed his life. I just want to say again, we better deal 
deal drastically with the flesh. Well, in our text, in reality, what's happened is this. Saul's disobeyed God. And then if you look at verse 16 and verse 17, what Samuel does is he takes Saul down a on a stroll down memory lane. Look at verse 17. He says this. Hey, Samuel said to Saul, Remember, Saul, when you were little in thine own sight. Remember when you were made the heads of the tribe of Israel. Remember when you were anointed to be the king over Israel. In other words, now look at me. In other words, Samuel is saying to Saul, remember how it used to be. Remember, remember how it was with you and the Lord before you got so full of pride. Remember how it was between you and the Lord, uh, Saul, before you got filled with arrogance. Do you remember how it used to be? Well, this morning I want to preach on that thought. Do you remember how it used to be? By the way, if you looked at verse number 17, Samuel says to Saul, remember when you were little in your own sight. Now you've got to remember, he's not talking about appearance. He's talking about attitude. You see, we read about old King Saul that he was head and shoulders above every man in all of the land of Israel. That means he was a tall, impressive looking kind of a man. Maybe one of the reasons he was chosen to be the king over the nation of Israel is because of his impressive stature. But Samuel said, you were little in your own sight. Now, again, he's not talking about appearance. He's talking about attitude. As tall, as impressive as he was, ladies and gentlemen, when Saul got started, Saul was not full of pride. Saul was little in his own sight. By the way, he was humble. In fact, you may remember when they went to get him, to anoint him to be the king over the nation of Israel, why, the Bible said this about him. In 1 Samuel chapter 10 and verse 22, the Bible said when they went, to find him, to put the anointing oil on him, to be the king of Israel, that he felt so inferior, so inadequate to be able to do that job. He was so humble that he went and hid himself among the stuff. Now, we're from the south. How many of y'all from the south? We know what stuff is, don't we? And the Bible said that Samuel or Saul felt so inferior and so inadequate to do the job that when they went to look for him, he was hid over there among the stuff. Boy, I'll tell you something. He started up right, but he ended wrong. Let me tell you why. Because he didn't remember how he used to be. I want to preach for just a little while on that thought this morning. Do you remember how you used to be. Now, I'm not talking about, you say, preacher, I get it. You're talking about those days before COVID, how I was before those days before COVID. No, sir, I want to take you back a little further than that. I want to take you back to that time when you first got saved by the grace of God. By the way, aren't you glad that you're saved this morning? Hey, I'd rather be saved than to be anything that I know of in this world this morning. Hey, better than a Republican. I am thankful that I'm saved. I've been washed in the blood of 
Jesus, having dwelt by the Holy Spirit of God, I'm glad to be saved this morning. Remember how it was when you first got saved? Remember how tender you were toward the things of God? Remember how real that God was to you? How excited you was about the things of God? How enthused you was about living for God? You just couldn't get enough of God. You couldn't get enough of church. You read the Bible, though you didn't understand it. What part you did understand just blessed your heart real good and the tears flowed down your cheeks. Remember how it used to be? Well, this morning, I just want to use the life of Saul, and I want to talk about how he used to be. And I want to make some applications between me and you this morning and Saul as we think about how it used to be. The first thing that I find about old Saul was this. I find Saul how he used to be, number one, when he was searching for the lost when he was searching for the lost. You know, the first time that we meet Saul in the Bible, back in 1 Samuel chapter number 9, he is not a king on the throne. All he is is just the son of a father. And when we first run into Saul, guess what he's doing? He's searching for lost donkeys. That's right. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 9 and verse number 3. The Bible said, And the asses of Kish... And Kish was Saul's father. They were lost. And the Bible said, And Kish said to Saul, his son, He said, Take one of the servants with thee and arise and go seek for the, the donkeys. Go seek for the asses. In other words, when we first run into this old boy by the name of King Saul, he is searching for the lost. Now he's looking for lost donkeys. Now I get all that. He's looking for donkeys. But can I tell you something in a real sense? People are a lot like donkeys. Can I have an amen? People are a lot like donkeys. I think about how donkeys have long faces. Y'all see some of your faces this morning, how long they are. Old donkeys have big ears, you know, and donkeys are constantly just hollering out. We have a man that lives over behind us. We live on, uh, uh, we live on 10 acres of land, almost in downtown Pilot Mountain, but it's just right outside the city limits. And uh, this man over beside of us has a cattle farm. I mean, he has a lot of cows. And cow uh, and and donkeys keep away coyotes, and we have a coyote problem in our uh, in our neighborhood. I mean, they set them out and they multiplied. Well, I guess to keep the coyotes from killing his young cattle, he's got a bunch of donkeys over there in that field. Can I just tell you something about them donkeys? They cannot keep their mouth shut. I mean, they're constantly over yeehaw, I mean, just hollering out. I mean, man, uh, people are a lot like donkeys. Can I tell you something about donkeys? They have behavioral problems. They're stubborn. They're territorial. I mean, you better not sit in their seat. You better not park in their parking place. You better not work around their desk because they're territorial. And if you get around there, it upsets their little apple cart just a little bit. Hey, by the way, I know a few donkeys like that around here. I don't know what it was, but these donkeys had got lost Maybe they had broke through the fence. I said donkeys are rebellious. They're stubborn. You can't do anything much with a donkey. By the way, people are a lot like donkeys, aren't they? 
They sure are. I don't know if they broke through the fence, found a hole in the fence. I don't know if they broke their tether, but something happened to these donkeys. They were lost. Can I stop and say this morning that any man, woman, boy, or girl under the sound of my voice this morning, if you're without God, you are lost this morning. One of the words that the Bible uses to describe what people are like that are unsaved, one of those words is the word lost. The Bible said Jesus came to seek and to save. Luke 19 and verse number 10, that which was lost. I'm glad there was a time in my life when God found me. Hey, I was lost. I was as lost as a ball in high weeds. I was as lost as these donkeys. I'd rebelled against God. I'd broke the tether of his grace and of his word. I'd found a hole in the fence. I'd got lost, but I'm glad God sent somebody looking for me. Amen. And by the way, the reason you're saved, somebody come looking for you. These donkeys were lost. And Saul, when we first meet him, he's searching for the lost. Can I say two things about this search? First of all, it was number one, it was a dedicated search. I mean, his daddy. Now, the reason, look at that 1 Samuel 9, verse 3 verse again. You know, the reason that he's out looking for lost, them lost donkeys is because his daddy has commanded him to do that. His father said, hey, get a servant and go hunt for the lost donkeys. And that's the reason I say this. You know, if you look at that verse, I mean, there's no hint of, a, of an argument from, from, from Saul. There's no complaints. He didn't offer up top, the top ten reasons why he can't go out and look for lost donkeys. I mean, his daddy has commanded him to do that. And I mean, he's dedicated to pleasing his father. He wants to honor what his father has commanded him to do and he goes out searching for those lost donkeys. He's wanting to please his father. It was a dedicated search, but can I say number two, it was a determined search. I mean, he didn't find those donkeys right away. He had to go from one village to the next village, from one province to the next province. He traveled over many miles, over rough and rocky terrain, spent a lot of nights out in the elements. I'm telling you, he spent much time. He exerted much effort into his search for the lost because he was determined to find that which was lost. Do you remember when you used to search for the lost? Do you remember, I mean, when you wanted to please your heavenly Father? Amen. So you went looking for the lost. Do you remember when your all-consuming desire back yonder was to get your family saved? It was to reach out and get your drinking buddies saved. It was to reach out and get that partying crowd that you used to run around with before you got saved. You wanted to get them saved. You had a brother that was lost or a sister that was going to hell and the all-consuming desire of your heart was to get those lost people saved. Remember how it was when you used to search for the lost? By the way, I mean all that Saul wanted to do in this text was just please his father. And the thing that we find that brought pleasure to the heart of his father was to go out and look for the lost. You know, isn't it amazing how that when we first get saved, we don't have much knowledge about the Lord. We don't have much knowledge about the Bible. But boy, I'll tell you, we got one, one consuming desire, and that's to get other people saved. And then we, and then we, we grow older in the Lord 
and we learn a little bit more about the Bible, and we learn a little bit more about the love of Jesus and the grace of God, but then we stop searching for the lost. Don't it seem like that ought to kind of work in the opposite? Don't it seem like, you know, when we first get saved, I mean, we don't have any knowledge, and so we're just kind of content to come to church and sit in the chair and learn more about God. And then as we grow older, we understand that God wants us to go out and reach the lost, but it tends to work in the opposite. The older we get, the more knowledge that we gain, the less we're concerned about the lost. I'm telling you, you remember how it used to be when you were searching for the lost. You know, I, I know that COVID has affected a, a lot of things. It's affected our way of life. I don't know, and I, and, I, and I thank God we're making some strides, and it looks like, that I said earlier, that we're kind of putting in the rearview mirror, and hopefully there's better days ahead for us. But can I tell you something? The one thing that COVID has definitely changed in the hearts and the lives of God's people is we are no longer searching for the lost. I'll tell you something COVID hadn't done. COVID hadn't affected God's ability to save sinners. God's still got just as much power. The blood of Jesus Christ is still just as potent. The Holy Spirit is still in this world reproving and convicting people. It's not God's fault nobody's getting saved. I'll tell you the reason nobody's getting saved because we stopped searching for the lost. And I couldn't help but notice in this text, if you look back at that 1 Samuel 9 and verse number 3, did you notice when his father sent him on a message looking for them lost donkeys, he didn't send him by himself. Did you know that, did you notice right there in that verse where Saul, Kish said to Saul, take one of the servants and y'all go together and look for the lost donkeys. Hey, I'll tell you something. I bless the Lord's good name that we're never by ourselves. It's been testified this morning how that God is always with us. Whether you're sitting in a clinic or standing in a cemetery or struggling in a conflict, aren't you glad the Lord is always with us? But there's some good verses in Matthew 28, 19 where Jesus said, Lo, I'm with you all the way even to the end of the world. But let me tell you something. He ain't talking about a hospital. He's not talking about a cemetery. He's not talking about some kind of a doctor's office. In the context of that verse, he's saying as we try to reach a lost and dying world, I'm going to be with you all the way, even to the end of the world. I'm glad I can tell you God's always with us, but there's never a time when he's any closer to us than when we're out searching for the lost, friend. Remember how it used to be when you went searching for the lost? Remember the tears that you used to shed. Remember the prayers that you used to pray. Remember, remember the sleepless nights when you'd get up and you were under such a burden. You slipped and got by the couch in the living room. Nobody knew you was up. And you just poured your heart out in the behalf of those that were lost. I said this, remember how it used to be when you were searching for the lost. Let me take this a step further. Remember how it used to be when you were searching for the lost, but number two, when you were sensitive to the Lord. Remember how it used to be when you were just had a heart that was tender toward the Lord. 
Samuel, Saul was like that. I know we don't see it here in our first Samuel 15 text, but if you were to go back to chapter number 10, I'll tell you, when that old boy started out, I mean, he had a heart that was sensitive and tender toward the Lord. I've used this verse quite a bit, but let me just read it one more time. Look at this first Samuel chapter 10 and verse number 6. The Bible said this, Samuel said to Saul, and the Spirit of the Lord, notice capital S, Holy Spirit, in the Old Testament, the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee. Now, by the way, in our day, the Spirit of God just don't come upon us since the day of Pentecost. Thank God the Spirit of God comes inside of us. And he'll never leave us. He'll abide with us forever, the Bible said. But Samuel said to Saul, the Spirit of God's going to come on you, boy, and thou shalt prophesy with them. And notice this, and the Spirit of God is going to turn you into another man. Aren't you so glad today that the kind of salvation that God gives changes a person? into another man. The only explanation I can give you for an old boy that used to be bad to drink and then he gets saved and he don't drink no more, the only explanation I can give you for that is salvation turned him into another person. The Holy Spirit came into his life and gave him a desire for a different kind of drink. And then, I'm telling you, old boy used to cuss and use profanity and then next time you see him, he's cleaned up his language. Maybe maybe, maybe he, don't, he don't say those words he used to say and now he's cleaned up. Somebody said, what happened? that old boy. I'll tell you what happened. The Spirit of God came inside of him and changed him into another man. Boy, God's working on the heart of old Saul. He's changing him. Look at this verse right here, 1 Samuel 10, verse number 9. And so it was that when he had turned his back to go back to, uh, to go from Samuel, notice this, God doesn't give him another heart. Boy, I remember the day that God did a heart transplant on me. I remember when the Lord took out of me that old cold, stony, callous, sinful heart and God did divine heart transplant on me on March the 24th, 1979. As a 16-year-old teenager, God took that out of me. God gave me a heart, a sensitive heart to the Lord. God put something on the inside of me. And I tell you what, I want to be sensitive to the Lord. Remember how it used to be? Boy, I like this verse. Look at this verse right here. Here's another good verse about old Saul. The Bible said this, and it came to pass, when all that knew Saul before time saw that, now they're starting to see. Something's happened to that old boy. They knew him beforehand, but now the Spirit of God's come on him. Now God's gave him another heart. And they saw that. He prophesied among the prophets. Then they said one to another, Man, what has happened to the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? I mean, people begin to notice a change in Saul's life. I mean, it was evident that God was working in him and God was working through him and God was working on him and God was working for him. Well, I'll tell you, people began to sit up and take notice that there was something different about old Saul. You remember when people used to could tell a difference in your life? You remember back yonder when you first got saved, somebody come up to you and said, What's happened to you? You used to talk like this. I've noticed a difference. What's happened? Maybe you used to be bad to run with that old party and pot smoking 
weed-smoking, beer-drinking crowd. And that was your crowd. You went to the clubs and you did all this. And then the day came you got saved and one of your friends come to you and said, we don't understand it. What's, what's happened to you? Can I ask you a question? When's the last time somebody come and asked you, what's different about you? And by the way, when's the last time you didn't care that somebody saw a difference about you? When's the last time you wanted people to know there was something different? Oh, not arrogantly, not, not being brash, you know, and crude. But I mean, God had so worked in your heart. God had given you a different heart. and God had so changed your life and so moved you that somebody come to you and said, Man, what's happened to you? You're not like you used to be. Remember how it used to be when you were sensitive to the Lord? Hey, when it broke your heart, when you broke his heart, when you were so moved that every invitation, you get up out of your seat and walk down to the altar and just cry and beg God to do something for you. Remember that? How it used to be? You know something in our day, it almost seems like there's a law against people coming to the altar anymore. I got to tell you something, and I mean this with all my heart. People that come to the altar every service don't bother me near as much as people who never come to the altar. Listen, if you can go year after year after year and service after service after service and never have to make a trip to the altar, there's one of two things wrong. Either number one, we need a new preacher behind this pulpit right here, or number two... You just ain't obeying God. And I agree, I agree. I'm all we got till we can do better. I get it. But I want to tell you something, friend. I got to make a trip to Calvary every once in a while. Man, I got to get on the altar. I got to confess some things going on in my life. I want to be sensitive. I want to, I want to follow his leadership and his direction in my life. Man, I want God to change my heart. I want people to say, what's different about you? I want that old cussing crowd not to hear cussing coming out of me. I want that old drinking crowd to see the, the strongest thing that I'm drinking is Greatberry Splash Kool-Aid. I want them to know the only grass that I got is the kind that I mowed last night when I got home. Hey, I want them to know the only crack that I got is when I step over to keep from breaking my mama's back. Amen. I want them to see there's a difference. Remember when you were sensitive to the Lord. God dealt with your heart and you made your way to the altar because you were sensitive. Searching for the lost. Sensitive to the Lord. And number three, remember when you were surrounded by the like-minded I mean, remember when you just wanted to hang out with God's people? You know, most people in this church age, this Laodicean church age, they got two crowds. They got a church crowd and they got a world crowd. So on Sunday, they run with the church crowd. But on Monday, they go back with the world's crowd and they surround themselves with all the wrong kind of people. 
You know, there's a verse in our Bible that says this right here, Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpeneth iron. You know, if I understand that verse correctly, I think what we're being told there is get around the right crowd. They're going to sharpen you and make you sharper. Get around the wrong crowd and they're going to dull you. They're going to make you duller. You know, we ought to want to hang around people who are like-minded. I read this about Saul early on in his life. You can't read it later, but early on. Look at this verse. Saul also went home to Gabeah, and there went with him a band of men, but notice this last phrase, whose hearts God had touched. I mean, he wanted to be around that crowd that God had touched their heart. I mean, he didn't care to think about that Facebook crowd. All they want to do is be critical and negative and cynical and sour. He didn't want to be around that crowd that put all that worldliness and that filth out there for, uh, that they get and ruin the testimony of the church and the, and the Lord Jesus and their own. He didn't want to be around that crowd. He wanted to be around the crowd of people whose hearts God had touched. Well, can I tell you something? We ought to get back to the place where we want to hang out with that crowd whose hearts God has touched. Iron sharpeneth iron. You want to be sharper? Get around a sharp crowd. You want to be duller? Get around a duller crowd. I want to be around that crowd whose hearts God has touched. Now, I know you probably think, Preacher, you kind of setting yourself up. Oh, no, 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 no. Not at all. Can I tell you something? I ain't worth the gunpowder it'd take to blow me up this morning. That's not false humility. That's just the truth. You know, to me, when I get to heaven, there's going to be three great surprises. Number one, who is there? Number two, who's not there? But the biggest surprise of getting to heaven is that I'm going to be there. I don't deserve it. But I get to go to heaven someday and live with God. But in the meantime, I'd like to hang around that crowd whose hearts God has touched. I want to hang around that crowd that's faithful to the house of God. I want to hang around that crowd that reads their Bible. I want to hang around that crowd that prays. I want to hang around that crowd that's got their pockets full of tracks. I want to hang around that crowd that does right and denies themselves of the pleasures of this world and just tries to live for God in an effective and a clean way. That's the crowd I want to, I want to surround myself. Remember when you used to surround yourself with the like-minded? You hung out with the crowd. Now you want to hang out with that crowd that goes down to Dario after church and gossips about everything. Are you kidding me? Surrounded by the like-minded. I'm done. Look at me. I'm done. I didn't even get to preach this to the early crowd. I'm going to let you have it. We're going to go. Do you remember when it used to take the TV five minutes to come on? I remember my mama used to tell me after supper, she'd say, now go in there and cut the TV on. Let it be warming up. And you'd cut it on. And about a minute, and I'm dating myself, I'm 58, but right in the middle, there'd be a white dot. And then a little bit later, it'd start getting bigger. And then those people, for a little bit, they were... But then something happened, and it would clear up. Remember when it used to take TV five minutes to come on? 
Hey, remember when in the boxes of laundry detergent you could get a glass or a dish or a towel? Hey, do you remember when the only seat belt was your mama's arm? Hey, you remember when you could ride a bicycle without a helmet on? Hey, you remember when stuff come from the store without a safety cap because there wasn't nobody mean enough out here trying to poison everybody? You remember when milk and eggs and butter was delivered to your door? Do you remember when we used to make decisions like this? Eeny, meeny, miny, moe. Catch a monkey by his toe. Hey, do you remember when TV programs consisted of I Love Lucy, Long Ranger, Pallet, Have Gun, Will Travel, The Rifleman, now some of y'all waking up just a little bit now. You remember that? You remember when you used to pray and weep over souls? Remember when you used to be excited about church? Remember when you was on fire for the Lord? Hey, 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 hey. Remember when you used to come to every service? You remember when you invited others to church? Oh, I know. We can blame it on COVID all we want to. But it's not that COVID has changed us. We've changed us. And we need to get back to where we used to be. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father.